Were you aware that the Word of God, as awesome and powerful as it is, but it cannot help everybody? If you study through the life of Jesus and you look at the conflicts that Jesus had with various people during His day, one of the things that profoundly impacts me is that there were so many people who right there were hearing the Word of God and yet it didn't help them a bit. I'd like for us to consider some of those conflicts that Jesus had. And I want you to notice the kinds of people that God's Word will not help. And as we consider these things, I want us to examine ourselves to make sure that we are not acting as these people. Because when we know when God's Word will not help us, then we'll be able to learn when God's Word will help us. Begin by looking in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, we're going to begin the reading at verse 23. In Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 23, the Scripture reads that the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to Him and asked Him. They said, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all have it. What a difficult question the Sadducees are asking here. It's one that they had plagued the teachers and their opponents of that day with for years. Oh, so difficult, and yet Jesus points out that the question is actually very easily answered. He goes on to point out there in Matthew chapter 22 and verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Jesus pointed out to the Sadducees that their question was not all that difficult. That in fact, they had the answer at their very fingertips. If they would just go to the Word of God, they would read where God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. What was the Sadducees' problem? The Sadducees' problem was they didn't know the Word of God. And I want you to understand that if you don't know the Word of God, it's not going to help you. God's Word doesn't help those who do not know what it says. There are lots of folks in our world today that pay lip service to the Word of God. There are lots of churches that claim to teach from the Word of God, and yet rarely is the Bible opened in our modern society today. We need to remember the ominous words of God in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 where He said, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. God's Word will not help us if we do not know it. Secondly, God's Word will not help us if we twist and pervert it. 
Are you aware that Satan himself knows the Word of God? I want you to look in Matthew chapter 4. One of the greatest conflicts during Jesus' life on earth was the conflict with Satan as Jesus went out to the wilderness and was tempted. And in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 6, after Satan has already tempted Jesus once, he says to him there, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. It's almost as though after the first temptation, he tempted Jesus and Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Satan said, All right. If you want to use the Word of God, what about this one? What about what it says in Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12? He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan went to the Word of God, but he twisted it. He perverted it. And Jesus pointed out to him, it is written again. He says to Satan, it's not just written where you're quoting, but notice what's written here. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus says, I know what's in the Psalms, but this verse does not mean I am allowed to tempt and to test God. I've got to take all the Word of God. I'm not allowed to twist passages out of their context. I've got to mean what God means. I've got to believe what God believes. I've got to say what God says. God's Word will not help me when I'm twisting and I'm perverting it. And there is lots of twisting and perverting going on today. I am amazed at the amount of contortions that people will put the Word of God through in order to twist and pervert it and make it say what they want it to say. I've heard people go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. In Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I believe this passage. I believe it says that if I want to be saved, I've got to believe in Christ. I've got to confess my belief in Christ. Are you aware that there are people today who twist this passage to mean that I don't have to obey Acts chapter 2 and verse 38? Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, as the Jews cried out, What shall we do? Peter responded in Acts 2.38, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how folks can twist one passage to say that I don't have to obey another passage. And yet that is exactly what is happening today. It gets even worse. Look in Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. In Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, the Scripture says, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Now that's perfectly clear. There's almost no way to misunderstand that. What does it say? He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. I take that to mean that if a person wants to be saved, he has to believe and he has to be baptized. And yet, amazingly enough, people will turn to the last half of this verse where it says, He who does not believe will be condemned. And they twist it and they pervert it and say that we don't have to obey the first half of this verse. That amazes me. And that's just the beginning. I could stand up here all morning long and look at ways in which today people twist and pervert the Word of God. We need to recognize that God's Word will not help us when we twist and pervert it. We must do what God wants. We must read what God has written. We must say what God says. We must do things God's way and believe His Word as He has written it. God's Word will not help us when we don't know it. 
God's Word will not help us when we twist and pervert it. Thirdly, I want you to see that God's Word will not help us when you don't care, having preconceived ideas. Look in Matthew chapter 21. In Matthew chapter 21, we find another conflict. Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 23. Jesus says here in Matthew 21, 23, Now when He came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted Him as He was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? This is a great question. This is a question we still ask today. What's the authority for that? But Jesus responds very interestingly. He turns it back to them and says, Well, I'll also ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he'll say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude. For all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We don't know. And he said to them, Well, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Very interesting conflict here. Was Jesus just playing a childish game? Was Jesus saying, Well, if you're not going to answer my question, I'm not going to answer your question. I'll pick up my toys and go home. No, that's not it at all. Jesus was cutting through the smoke screen. And he was pointing out by asking this question that these men didn't care what the answer was. They're asking, by what authority? This grand question, by what authority are you doing these things, Christ? Uh, Jesus, excuse me. And he, said, he pointed out to them, you don't care by what authority I'm doing these things. You've already got your preconceived ideas. If I say it's from God, you don't want to believe it anyway, just like they did with John. If we say it's from God, well, he'll say, why didn't we do it? They didn't care whether or not it was from God. They didn't want to obey John, so they didn't. If we say it's from men, we're kind of afraid of the people. They didn't care. They wanted to do what they wanted to do. They had their preconceived ideas, and they were going to do whatever they were going to do, and it didn't matter. And Jesus pointed out, God's Word won't help you. It won't help you to answer your question with the truth from God because you're following your preconceived ideas. That happens so often today. Folks today following their preconceptions. They haven't studied. They haven't learned. But we all have our ideas about everything. It's amazing how many times I hear people say, well, let me tell you what I think about that. And they'll go on on this long spiel and not once will the Word of God come into the picture and yet they act as though they've given you God's opinion on it. Preconceived ideas. If you're going to follow those, it won't help you. I remember talking to a brother from Little Rock, Arkansas, had a radio program. It was about a 15 or 20 minute program. He just did a short lesson. And this particular program was about Noah. He said he ended the program. All he did at the end of the program was read 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21. Do you remember what that passage says? There's also an antitype which now saves us. Baptism. Not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the end of it. Didn't comment on it. Didn't talk about it. He just ended with those verses. When he listened to the program being broadcast, however, amazingly enough, that verse wasn't quoted. 
He called the station manager and wanted to know, wait a minute, why didn't all of my show broadcast this morning? There was a verse that was taken off and the fellow said, well, we don't want you preaching your opinions on baptism on our station. Now, whose opinions were preached? All he did was read the passage. But you see, they didn't care what the passage said. They already had their preconceived ideas. And God's Word will not help you if you're going to follow your preconceived ideas. Number four, God's Word is not going to help you if you want something special. Look in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, the Pharisees come to Jesus in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38. And they ask what to me is one of the most astounding questions ever asked of Jesus. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Verse 40 of John 12, or of Matthew 12, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. They asked for a sign. Jesus had performed all kinds of signs. He'd healed the sick. He'd fed the multitudes. What more could you want? He was even going to be raised from the dead, and these folks weren't going to believe it. Why? They weren't willing to accept what God was giving them. They wanted something special. They wanted it their way. They wanted God to reveal things to them on their terms. They didn't want it on God's terms. They wanted something special. And that is the way so many people are today. It's not enough to just go to the Word of God and look at what it says. Folks today often want something special. I studied with a young lady in Beaumont, Texas named Tanny. One of the things we had to study, and she was a part of the United Pentecostal Church, was the issue of miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit. Are they for today? Or are they not for today? Does the Spirit still use them? One of the amazing things was, as we studied the Scriptures, she realized she was being backed into a corner by the Word of God. She could see what was written. She knew what it said. She understood that the Bible said they were going to come to an end when the Word of God was revealed. Did she obey? Regrettably, she did not. And the reason was, when we got back together, was she had determined that despite what she read, that couldn't be what it meant. And these are her words. She said, because that would mean I'm not special to God. You see, in her mind, it wasn't special enough that God sent Jesus to die for her because He had done that for everyone else as well. In her mind, it was not special enough that God had revealed His Word so that she could know how to be saved and be one of His children and live the way He wanted her to because He had done that for everyone else. What she wanted was a special communication to God that was just between her and God, which would make her special. And if you want something special, more special than the death of Jesus, more special than God's Word, then it's not going to help you. Not at all. 
we need to realize how special we are to God and what He's done for us. But we are all that way. We are none so special that He is doing something uniquely for us. He sent His Son to die for all of us. He's given the Word for all of us. And I believe we ought to think that's special enough because we don't deserve that. God's Word won't help you if you want something special. But God's Word also will not help you if you're looking for a loophole. Look at Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15, beginning at verse 2, Matthew 15, beginning at verse 2, the Scripture says, the Pharisees asked Jesus, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. God had a law. Honor your father and your mother. One of the things that was entailed in that law, just one of the things, not the only thing, but one of the things entailed in that law is that when your parents were no longer able to provide for themselves, it was the child's duty to take care of them. After all, the parents took care of you when you couldn't take care of yourself. Now it's time to make a return. But the Pharisees had figured out a loophole. Why, we know that we're supposed to dedicate things to God. And certainly, if I dedicate all of this to God, that is far more important than my parents. And so, Mom, Dad, sorry, but this is dedicated to God. It's Corbin. And, well, hope you make it on your own. They made a loophole. They thought they found a loophole. But Jesus said, in fact, it's no loophole at all. All you've done is made the command of God of no effect. You're hypocrites. Claiming to live by the Word of God, but actually just doing whatever you want to do. Boy, that's a theme, isn't it? All these guys keep on to do just whatever they want to do. You can ask my daughter Tessa, one of the things we've talked about. We've got to do what God wants us to do. And oh, so many people that are just doing what we want to do. That's what these men wanted, so they looked for a loophole. They didn't want to have to support their parents, so they found a way out of it. Brethren, today folks are looking for loopholes all the time. Let me tell you how you can tell when someone is looking for a loophole. Today folks are often looking for loopholes when you hear them say things like, why, you can't ever find in the Bible where it says that I have to fill in the blank. You can't ever find in the Bible where it says I'm not allowed to fill in the blank. I know there are exceptions to that, but half the time, more than half the time, you'll find that that is somebody who is looking for a loophole. Let me give you an example. There are numerous people today that believe they don't have to come back to the worship assembly on Sunday night. Now, they know Hebrews chapter 10, 25, just as well as I do. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. They know that passage is there. Don't forsake the assembly. They've heard sermons about it over and over again. They're not ignorant. They know it's there. They're not... Well, maybe they are twisting and perverting because they're finding a loophole. 
Why, see, that's just the Sunday morning assembly. No other assembly is actually the assembly. And so when we're missing those other assemblies, we're not really forsaking the assembly because that's just the Sunday morning assembly. And if they're assembling on Sunday night, that doesn't count. You see, it's a loophole. You're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. You want another one? Have you ever heard anyone say, why you can't tell me that I'm not allowed to let my kids go to the school dances? Or you can't tell me that I'm not allowed to go to the school dance? Now, they know what Galatians 5.19 says. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, as it lists the works of the flesh, and tells us that we need to steer clear of those things. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. Maybe it says lasciviousness or licentiousness. Now that word there, what that means is that which tends to or indicates or excites or expresses sexual arousement. They know that's there. Everybody knows the works of the flesh are here in Galatians 5.19. But they found a loophole. Because they know as well as I do that I can't find a Bible verse that says that the dancing that goes on at school dances is lasciviousness. I know it's not there, but let me just be honest with you. You're not fooling God and you're not fooling anyone else if you think that there is anything but lasciviousness going on at those school dances with all those bodies rubbing together, swaying in time to the music, jiggling around. You think that doesn't indicate or express sexual arousal? God says lasciviousness is not supposed to be there. The folks have found a loophole. And so they do what they want to do instead of what God says. But you haven't found a loophole. All you've done is made the command of God of no effect. God's Word won't help you when you do that. I know you're thinking we're over because the slide is full, but actually we have three more. God's Word won't help you when you're serving something other than God. Look at Matthew 19. Matthew chapter 19, the Scripture says, Matthew 19 and verse 16, Now behold, one came and said to him, Matthew 19, 16, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that's God. But if you want to enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He came to Jesus and called him good teacher. Jesus pointed out to him, there's only one that's good. That's God. You need to be following Him. And here the rich young ruler was looking at God in the flesh, and God in the flesh told him what he needed to do. Go, sell all you have, and follow me. But he wouldn't do it. Why? Because he had many possessions despite the fact that the rich young ruler said he had kept the commandments, Jesus cut through the smoke screen again and pointed out that, in fact, he had violated the commandments. The commandment that says, You shall have no other gods before me. 
This rich young ruler had a God before Jehovah. It was his possession. God's Word won't help you if you serve something above God. There are all kinds of things that we can serve today. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5, Paul wrote to the church at Colossae telling them, Therefore put to death, Colossians 3, 5, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. There are folks that follow things, material possessions. That is idolatry. Look back in, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18. In Philippians 3.18, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. Their God was their belly. That is, they were serving passions and pleasures and desires and lusts of the flesh. There are so many things that we can put before God. But God's Word won't help us if we do that. God has to come first. And we've got to be honest here. The rich young ruler honestly and sincerely told Jesus, I've kept all these commandments from my youth up. But he had deceived himself because he had violated them. You shall have no other God before me. We've got to be honest and make sure that we're serving God above all other things. God's Word will not help you when you love the praises of men more than the praises of God. Look in John chapter 12. In John chapter 12 and verse 42. John chapter 12 and verse 42. The Scripture says, Nevertheless, John 12:42. Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess Him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. They believed Jesus, but they wouldn't confess Him. They wouldn't tell folks that they believed Him, and they certainly wouldn't be out there trying to get other folks to believe in Him, because they didn't want to get put out of the synagogue. Now, for a long time, I will turn to this passage and talk about fearing men. Oh, see how afraid they were they were going to be put out of the synagogue? I know I had read the next verse before. I don't know why I had missed it. But notice what it says in verse 43 because John tells us what their problem was. And it wasn't about fearing men. John 12:43 says, For they love the praise of men more than the praise of God. They weren't fearful that they would get put out of the synagogue. They wanted to still be among those in the synagogue because they loved the praises of men. Brethren, when we do what God says, we need to understand men just aren't going to like us. Even religious people that claim to be following the same God we're following. Even those who claim to be brethren in Christ. There's a lot of them that just aren't going to like us. And they're not going to be nice to us. And they won't praise us. In fact, they'll say mean things about us and they'll lie about us. You remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 21? Back up to verse 20, excuse me. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. But all these things they'll do to you for my name's sake, because they don't know him who sent me. Even some will do it, saying they're serving the Lord. But they don't really know God. 
when we do what God says, we won't receive the praises of men. I remember sitting with a man, a brother in Christ, in another congregation in Texas, in my office. And we were talking about the plan of salvation, and he assured me, I teach. Baptism is necessary for salvation. If someone comes to me and asks me what they've got to do to be saved, I'll tell them they've got to hear the gospel, they've got to believe it, they've got to repent of their sins, they've got to confess their faith, they've got to be baptized for the remission of their sins, they've got to be faithful until death. However, who am I to say that God won't save someone in some other way? And so who am I to tell folks that if they believe they're saved, that they still have to do something to be saved, like be baptized. How on earth could a brother in Christ who knows the truth and teaches the truth, a deacon in the Lord's church, waffle on the issues of baptism? Well, I'll tell you why. Our study came about because I heard him on a local radio broadcast professing unity with a false teacher. The false teacher said that you're justified by faith alone. That once you're saved, you're always saved. And so I called this brother with, with whom I had dealings and said, let's get together and talk about this. Why would this brother waffle? Because when he didn't teach the truth without adulterating it, he wouldn't be allowed on those radio programs. And he wouldn't be praised in the religious circles which he admires so much. But we can just put the Bible aside and not worry about it. And folks will love us. We can write books and people will buy them. We can have television programs and people will watch them. And they'll love us. And talk about how wonderful it is that we're all so united. But God's Word won't be helping us one bit. And remember what we learned in class this morning. It's God's Word that provides us wisdom for salvation. Nothing else. One more thing. God's Word will not help you if you want to follow man's traditions over God's. Look again in Matthew chapter 15. In Matthew chapter 15. We read this passage moments ago talking about the Pharisees looking for a loophole, but we've got another problem that's demonstrated in this passage. In Matthew chapter 15, They ask the question in verse 2, why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? Jesus responded, why do you violate God's commands with your traditions? You see, what the problem here was is that they were traditionalists. And they wanted to follow the traditions that they had come up with, and they were willing to sacrifice God's Word in order to do it. Look at where we are today. Christianity has been around for nearly 2,000 years. And just as it happened in this time with the Jews, traditions have originated and have come about and been around for hundreds of years among Christian churches. And men have written books that people can study and can find out the traditions of men. And whole churches are run by creed books that are put together by men to describe the traditions of their churches. We can't do that. We must not succumb to the traditions of men. 
Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that traditionalism is all bad. In fact, we as Christians ought to be some of the most traditional when it comes to the traditions handed down by God. Look in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 15, Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica and said, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. When we go into the Bible, God hands down to us things that we ought to hand down to others. That's what a tradition is. And Paul says we ought to hold fast to those traditions. We as brethren, we as children of God ought to be some of the most traditionally minded people when it comes to God's traditions. And we must never let any of those go. But we must never deceive ourselves into believing that man's traditions are God's traditions and allow those to take the place of what God has said. God's Word won't help you when you do that. Well, all this is well and good. You say, all right, God's Word won't help me if I do all these things, but well, when's God's Word going to help me? Look in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Beginning at verse 7. When we have this mind that Paul had, God's Word will help us. Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 7, Paul said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Verse 13, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When we have this mind, then God's Word will help us. When I have the mind that is willing to count everything else as lost, I'm not worried about what men says will be my gain. I am not worried about what the world says is success and is gain. I am focused on what God says. And I want what God says. And I want to do His will above all other things. Because what? You want to know why? I want to go to heaven. How about you? And when you want to go to heaven more than you want anything else in the world, then God's Word will help when you are pressing on for the goal, striving for it, ready to get rid of everything that will get in the way and just do what God says, then God's Word will help you. Otherwise, it won't. You might do some of the things that are there, but if God's Word gets in the way of what you want to do, you'll find loopholes, you'll follow preconceived ideas, and you'll be lost. But if you want to go to heaven above all other things, God's Word will help you. Would you please pull out your songbooks?